0: let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there this is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle that's what a lot of people don't realize they see that we own six thousand rental properties today and they think it's this like fast shot up to you know the stratosphere but what they don't realize is that there was five to ten years at the very least in there saving your money diligently saving five to thirty thousand dollars and not only saving it but putting it into investments that grow for you over time so when i I was working i was a construction supervisor project manager role at, um, at a construction company and i think one of the reasons i hated that job is because i couldn't find any ways to make the job easier a lot of it was just sitting in the chair following up on little problems that came up and you know that was that was it. Prior to working in the workforce at a real job, I went into industrial engineering into college. And if you guys don't know what industrial engineering is, you know, we're not a civil engineer, electrical engineer. Industrial engineers are kind of a jack of all trades where you take what the other engineers do and you make it better, where you streamline things. I can remember sitting outside a subway, doing like a Q study and you're just trying to find ways to move customers around easier. Now, that is me using my brain power to help out another company or business, but effectively, I kind of went into industrial engineering to kind of, for selfish reasons, to find ways that I can make things easier for myself. Um, College for me, I was not the best student. I was probably tried just enough to get by. I think I had like a 3.01. I can remember like all the homework problems. I mean, for those of you guys who went to engineering school, you know for every class you might have five, seven problems uh, per week as your homework. I could never do them. So what would I do? I would try really hard to get one of them done right and then I would go broker it to the other kids and trade one problem, one for number two, two for number three, um, essentially get most of the problems and then essentially give it to the last person to get that fifth and final question done. Um, for me, that was the minimum effective dose to getting through college and into the workforce. and I'll tell you guys, if you guys are thinking about higher level colleges, I mean, I went out and got a master's in construction engineering. In my opinion, when I'm hiring people today, I don't really look for that college degree. I, don't, I think it's kind of nonsense. In fact, when I see a higher level college degree, I think it's somebody who couldn't find a job, a job right out of college. I was looking at my social media feed the other day, and there was some guy taking some photos of him in a, like a cap and gown he finally got his mba and the dude is like 35 years old right he's a grown ass man 35 years old and now he's just getting his mba now and he's so proud of it and i'm like dude i mean i'm financially free by the time you get your stupid and gown to when you're supposedly can have command a six figure salary it's a little bit late to the party right and what i'm urging for you guys out there is to go and get your finances right, get start investing so you can be financially free well before you even start to think about getting some high level degree, MBA after working type of arrangement. You know, also tagging onto that, my employer paid for my master's degree. And the only reason why I did my master's degree was because my employer paid for it. And I don't know why my employer paid for it. I guess it's a way of keeping people around for another two to three years. Or sometimes they want you to vest for four years after they pay an extra 15, $20,000 a year for a useless master's degree. So the first thing first is like get your finances in order, right? So what I recommend most folks getting started, you know, you might have a 50, $100,000 a year salary out of college. First thing is to get your income minus expenses. Just like when we buy apartments, income minus expenses, your income is from your day job. Before we start going down all these random rabbit holes of you know what kind of side gigs you can make to increase your income, focus on the one thing, your highest and best use, which is like get your, day, your day job, and just focus on that. And then the next thing to look at is your expenses. Now, a lot of people like the Grant Cardone's out there will say, don't worry about your expenses. Well, depends who you're talking about. Uncle G talks to a lot of broke people out there who don't have good paying jobs, people making sub fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. If you're listening to this channel, you're probably making a little bit more than that. And this is why I'm kind of giving a little bit twist to this advice. Folks out there listening, you know, you guys have good paying jobs, a lot of you guys went to college, therefore your income shouldn't be too bad. You should be able to live a little bit frugally and save anywhere from five to $30,000 a year at least. When I kind of graduated from college, I worked on the road and essentially gave up my my house and my rent and lived off the company dime for about half a decade. And I was able to save $1,500,000 a year to throw all into investment properties. Investment properties, you know, if you're buying a $100,000 turnkey rental, great way to get started. Turnkey rentals are remote rentals. We're typically investing outside of your local area, especially if you live in cool places like Seattle, California, Hawaii, New York, Boston, where the rent-to-value ratios aren't gonna make sense. A little bit of review here, rent-to-value ratio is you take the monthly rent divided by the purchase price, and you're looking for something about 1% or higher so you can know that you're cash flowing on a monthly basis. So that's kind of the quick investing tip. Number one, you're looking for something that cash flows. To buy one of these properties, it's going to cost about $100,000 to buy a sort of a you know 1,500 square foot house, three bedroom, two bath, something for the lower middle class or what we call workforce population. This is the glut of the population out there in America and if you guys probably sticker shocked by this type of stuff, I was, I didn't realize people lived in $100,000 properties, let alone under a quarter million or half a million dollar properties that I was used to in Hawaii, California and Seattle. Now, but a lot of people do live in these types of areas. So my second tip here is to focus on finding the 80% of the median home price. And that is the great rental stock, at least as a starting point. So you can go and Google median home price, Birmingham. I don't know what it is today. Maybe it's about $150,000. But you take 80% of that, and you know I'm sure our video editor will pop it up on the screen what exactly that math is right now. And that's about where you should start to be looking for the prices. You take that price, now you have a price point to go and shop in the good old Zillow.com, which isn't the best data out there, but it's the quickest and minimum effective dose for you to get started and start to look at the right range of properties. When we work with some people, get them going with the remote investor incubator. Um, They're just really off the map. They're looking at these $400,000 houses all in the wrong areas. Um, A lot of people, especially when they live in New York, they're looking over to maybe Pennsylvania or New Jersey. And we're like, dude, you're wasting your freaking time because they're not going to have the rent to value ratios there. If you just look at the median home price and then you went over and you also check Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, and also takes the good old Zillow Zentimest or Rentimest or whatever they call that thing it's not going to be anywhere near that 1% rent to value ratio. So again, step number two, 80% of the median home price. The big things that we're looking for again, when we're looking for this workforce housing is we're not looking for the high end stuff, the luxury stuff, the stuff that you would probably want to be living in because the returns aren't good. The rent to value ratios aren't there. And quite honestly, the tenants are kind of a pain in the butt because they're kind of high class um, society. We also don't want to be on the low end. Trust me. I've been there. Class C and D and war zone properties. You just don't want to deal with these type of tenants because they quite honestly don't pay. A lot of times, a lot of these guys don't have bank accounts. Like people around me, they're like, well, why aren't these people getting vaccines? And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to say in one way or the other, but like a lot of people out there, they don't have bank accounts is what people realize. Right? Like, and they're like, what? Right, when I had uh, five rentals in Birmingham, I mean, I, like a lot of times, like four out of five of the checks would have been like Walmart money orders sent to me. And it took me a while. And But this is how most of America lives. Uh, Walmart apparently collects a lot of money from Walmart pay order stubs. And this is why there's all these cash checking joints out there. So in the middle is where we try and find, and part of this reason is because in case there's ever a recession, you know, the, the high-class luxury people can will lose their job and move more down into the, the kind of the value-based type of properties that we'll invest in. So we'll always have that steady stream of good clientele to work with that, in fact, when that recession happens, we'll be more positioned to have pick up that better qualified tenant at that point. People ask us all the time, like, well, how do you pick a market in terms of location for the apartments, right? Well, it's two big things. First of all, we focus on the more red states. Red states, not the same thing politically, but they typically have better laws favor towards the landlords, such as yourself, or, you know, we don't encourage you to be landlords. We actually encourage you guys to be investors, primarily. So, you know, in a lot of the states with the population growth growing, um, everybody talks about the Sunbelt states growing in population. And look, I don't know what really drives this. It's either population growth, economic growth, certain employers coming in. But what I do know is that one factor that this sort of equates to, that is highly discoverable and, and published out there in many, many different data sources is this thing called the rent increases per year. So if you go on Google rent increases per year in different submarkets or MSA states, you know, you can find this data. You can really drill down on what, where the rents are going up, because the where the rents are going up is ultimately the all the, this data and like coming down and what actually your tenant's going to be paying every single year. It, you know, if it goes up, typically there's job growth. Typically there's population growth. Typically it's a improving emerging market is what we're trying to find. So simple, right? We don't have, we don't need all these Ivy league people taking up a lot of salary. Um, We, you know, there are also little tricks too. We look for, we look for places like Starbucks to go in, although Starbucks tends to go wherever these days, but you know, there are certain cornerstone stores that go in that use all this corporate data and they hire all these smart fancy pants college grads to figure out where the, the growth is going in. Um, one store that I've been kind of keying in on is like Piology, right? That Mod Pizza, that kind of the higher end make your own pizza joints. Um, I've been kind of using that loosely as a replacement for Starbucks. And Starbucks lately has been kind of a, it's, to me, it's they just go wherever it seems like these days. Just like how, you know, People used to use Walmart as sort of an indicator, but Walmart kind of just goes anywhere too. So we talked about the people who, you know, just getting off the ground again, save $30,000 to go buy a house. Most people can do that every single year. If not, don't get discouraged. Maybe it'll take you two years. Maybe you can only save $5,000 a year. So that means in five years you can save enough money to buy a house. And then maybe you get a raise and maybe you cut that down to two years so in seven years you'll have two houses but you know what the cool thing is this stuff really starts to hockey stick or steamroll on you um, when I first started to invest I was able to buy at least one house every year but after about I got to like five to ten rentals that's when things really start to take off for me and that's what a lot of people don't realize they see that we own 6,000 rental properties today And they think it's this like fast shot up to, you know, the stratosphere. But what they don't realize is that there was five to 10 years at the very least in there, saving your money, diligently saving five to $30,000 and not only saving it, but putting it into investments that grow for you over time. Eventually you become an accredited investor, right? Somebody who has a net worth of a million dollars or more, or for somebody who makes a lot of money, makes over 200 to $250,000 a year. For those people, we kind of recommend that they kind of skip over buying a little rental properties. Rental properties are great and I think most people listening to this channel should probably start off that that, that way. Great way to get a lot of investor experience to be able to give you insights to be able to spot out sucker deals out there in the syndication world. But once you become an incredible investor, it's really not so much about investing. Sure, you want to invest with people you know, like or trust and people who aren't going to take your money or are incompetent operators. But that's pretty easy. Once you start to develop a peer network of other accredited investors investing in this type of stuff, we do this, we, you know, this is why we do a lot of events for accredited investors. Um, if you're not an accredited investor, you'll get there, right? Follow the steps in this video again. But for those accredited investors out there, you know, the step two and step three, the step two is the taxes for high paid folks. You know, it's all about using the passive losses that you get, the deductions, the depreciation from these investments, which you can get more from syndicated deals that do cost segregations and get that bonus depreciation from those investments. And now you take that possibly on your personal side. So we have a lot of doctors that might make $600,000 a year and they're getting killed in those upper echelons of the tax brackets. As you guys know, we have a progressive tax system so what happens is we may elect to use $200,000 of their suspended passive losses to lower their income from 600 grand down to 400 grand. And as we've talked in other videos in the past, you guys hear about how they're cracking down on the high income earners or the wealthy people. Bullshit, right? Wealthy people are smart. What they do is they drive their income down to almost nothing. If you want to check out my tax returns, go to simplepassivecashful.com tax. In 2020, I drove my adjusted gross income down to $25,000. I didn't pay taxes that year. Um, and that's the whole point, right? You pay less taxes because you're investing in things that the government wants you to do. It's not like you're doing this illegally. You're in fact following what the government wants you to put your money into, and therefore you don't pay your tax. If you're like everybody else, like the dude who got his MBA and now making a buck fifty, two hundred thousand $200,000 a year, yeah, bro, you're not investing in the stuff the government wants. They're going to tax you like crazy. And this is why it's so hard for the shrinking middle class. The people making multiple six figures, they're the ones getting killed. It's not the wealthy people taking taxes. It's not the poor people. It's the people in the middle. And that's why we make this channel for you guys to stop, being, stop doing that. Um, put your money into the right stuff. And then the last step in this trifecta, the simple trifecta for our credit investors is to get into involved in this thing called infinite banking. Basically it's using whole life insurance, but a very small portion of it, just so we can get in, in this loophole of tax-free growth and we can overfund it um, a lot. So we can start to build a personal vault for us and infinitely bank from ourselves, essentially. And it's pretty simple. Most people that implement this trifecta can typically get financially free in 5 to 10 years. But for those of you guys listening, you know, you got to get your net worth up there. You have to start investing. You have to start to get your finances in order. And if you got to focus on these key things, like I put, said in this video, stop screwing around with all this other stuff. Listen to all these other random podcasts and all these techniques, self-directed IRAs, QRPs, etc. Right? Focus in on where you are in this journey and exact things I said in this video and you know, really drive in on that. probably what it's probably gonna be for a lot of you guys, is just income minus expenses at the end of the day. The more that you can save, the more you can accelerate yourself down this timeline. But hey guys, this is your Rich Uncle Out. Uh, if you guys like more of these videos, check out the channel, um, drop a comment below. We wanna dig down to the specific topics that you guys want to talk about. Because sometimes, you know, as people tell me, like today I talked to more accredited, high net worth investors. But the reason why we made this channel is for you guys kind of starting out and some of the things aren't super clear to me what you guys are working on. So let me know so we can kind of help you to kind of skip over all this nonsense and garbage of mainstream financial dogma out there. All right, Rich Uncle out. See ya. (music)